I think what people are not aware of is exactly how profound produce is in completely turning your life around and revitalizing, restoring health and reversing disease. Like that awareness, I don't think is, is really fully present. And people just are overwhelmed at the thought of actually making that happen. The human experience is the greatest project any of us will undertake, yet it's often the one we spend the least amount of time working on. My name is Matt Johnston. I'm a self-professed personal development junkie, a retired pro golfer, and I now work for an organization that provides employee and health benefits to hundreds of thousands of people. It should be common sense to realize that what happens at work is what people bring home and what happens at home comes to them to work, but that's too often ignored. That's why each week, I hope to uncover a little more around what it means to be a human, working and living in the 21st century. We'll be learning from experts, having conversations and getting insights into all those things that fall at the intersection of life and work, emotional and physical health, skills and money, all of the relationships we navigate each day, and of course, the purpose and meaning we all desire. This is The Human Assignment. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Amy Gallo. Amy is a certified nutritionist specializing in functional medicine and fitness, and she's the founder of Vibrance Nutrition. At the age of 12, Amy discovered the impact food choices have on our overall health, and she's never looked back. For over 25 years, she's explored different dietary modalities and studied nutrition's role in human health receiving two degrees in nutrition and numerous certifications and specialties in topics such as fat loss, sports nutrition, functional medicine, and holistic health. Amy has worked in private practice for over 15 years, helping countless people to dramatically improve their quality of life and health through sustainable lifestyle shifts uncovered in a collaborative, shame-free environment. She has been a contributor on topics of health and wellness for numerous publications, Athleta's Chi blog, Mother Earth Living Magazine, and she was recognized as a leading mom in business in 2014 Startup Nation. Through exploring the research and observing outcomes in clinical practice, Amy has become convinced that the answer to chronic disease and the healthcare crisis lies at the end of our fork and can begin with one simple action that she's going to share with us today. I've been wanting to have someone on the podcast to talk about nutrition for a while. And when I found out about Amy, I thought that she'd be a great person to kick us off. Her message is simple and accessible. And for me, what's important is it speaks beyond any diet fad. I think you'll I think you'll really enjoy this interview. Uh, Amy's passion is just infectious and she has deep knowledge and experience in this area. So if you want to learn more about Amy, go to her website, vibrancenutrition.com. Check out their Instagram or, or Facebook page, Vibrance Nutrition. We have uh, links to both of them in the show notes. Amy has also offered a free guide to listeners called Five Ways to Increase Your Veggie Intake by Five Servings in Less Than 15 Minutes. You can download uh, that guide in the show notes. The link is there. And Amy has said that that coupled with her Veggie Hunter app will give you a great start at leveling up your produce intake. Uh, as always, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you if you wanted to support us, the best way you can do so is by going over to iTunes and giving us a review. And without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Amy Gallo. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today. Thanks so much for taking the time. 
our mutual friend, Mike Kelly introduced me to you and, um, he's done that. He's done this a couple of times and anytime Mike is raving about someone, I'm, I'm always listening. So, um, I've spent the last few weeks digging into your content and, and, um, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk. Thank you. Yeah. There's many different directions that we can go here today. You're the, you're the founder of Vibrance Nutrition and, um, we're going to talk about lifestyle and what have you, but I thought that we'd start with this, you know, global problem that we're facing or like this, all this healthcare issue that we're facing here. And I'm living in Canada and I'm, I'm looking at a, st- a statistic right in front of me, um, from the conference board of health that says that 80% of type two diabetes and heart disease cases and 40% of cancer cases, maybe even more than 40% of cancer cases are linked to lifestyle behaviors that can be avoided, uh, in Canada. More than 50% of the, uh, of the world lives with chronic disease, healthcare costs are out of control. And you have the answer to the healthcare crisis I've, I've I heard. Do. I do. I believe I have one of the major answers uh, to this problem. And, and I live just uh, south of the border from, from you in the United States. And our, our statistics are pretty abysmal as well. Um, we have uh, at this point uh, in 2017, our healthcare costs went up nearly 5% and it exceeded $3.6 trillion, which is unaffordable, you know, no matter who, who you're expecting to pay for it, whether it's the government or, or the people or the insurance companies, no one has that kind of money um, to, to take care of the problem. And so ultimately, it's, it's going to be up to us as individuals uh, to, to really spearhead the answer. And as, as uh, challenging as that conversation has been, in the media, what we see between the, the experts who are talking about it, I feel like nobody is really addressing the root of the issue. And that is that the reason why our healthcare costs are so high is because we are predominantly dealing with chronic disease in industrialized nations. And chronic disease occurs over many, many years <clears throat> and costs a lot of money each year. And this is part of the reason why our healthcare costs are so high. The other thing that everyone is neglecting is that chronic disease is largely, as you mentioned, a disease of lifestyle. It is a disease of lifestyle choices. It is due to inactivity. It is due to what we're consuming um, and, and how we're going about our lives and whether or not we're taking care of stress and our physical bodies. And the answer that uh, the answer I believe, the simplest answer to the healthcare crisis, really comes down to vegetables. Damn it. <laughs> 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 they grow on you. <laughs> I, I was hoping it would be something a lot sexier than, than uh, what my mom has been telling me for years. Uh, right? I know. I know. That's the, uh, that's the conundrum, actually. That's my big, my big uh, lot in life is trying to figure out how to make vegetables as sexy as chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking because as I, as I told you, I, I raced home. I'm doing this, the, this interview from, from my house. And I did that because the, the most important thing in, in prep for talking to you was making sure that I, I made a green smoothie so it's that I, I was, I was closer to my five servings of vegetables today. Amy, why don't we take a, just a step back and talk about you and where you've come from. You're a certified nutritionalist. You've been in this world for over 25 years uh, learning and serving people. How did you get into this? So I was, uh, it's, it's funny that we're actually talking about this about 25 years after I got started um, because I see, I see dietary trends correlating very strongly with fashion trends. 
And 25 years ago, we had the Atkins diet, you know, which is a low carb diet that began with a state of ketogenesis, keto, ketosis rather. Um, and we had this resurgence in vegetarianism and veganism, which was, um, 25 years after the onset of the Atkins diet in the 70s and Francis Moore LaPay's work on, um, on vegetarianism that was very popular during the 70s as well. So here we are, you know, circling back around in the big dietary trends in, in uh, industrialized nations is this, you know, this meatless eating, uh, combating with a low carb keto diet. Um, and that's ultimately what got me started was I was, I became, I was 12 years old and I just picked up a book in a bookstore called 101 Ways to Save the Animals. I thought it was going to be a book about uh, dolphins safe tuna and saving the rainforests. And, you know, if you have children, like just like I was 12, so it's very formidable, formidable, so that, that's the right way. I think you formidable nailed it, formidable, age. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very, a very tender age, right, in terms of development. And uh, this book was written by the founder of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, which is an animal rights group. And so it was about factory farms and fur farms and animal testing and all of this horrific stuff that I had no idea existed. And I was, I was appalled. I was mortified. Um, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I had a hard time grappling with the fact that this was like, I lived in this world and this is what was going on. And this is what the adults were doing in this world that we lived into these creatures that were so innocent and pure. Um, <clears throat> and so I became one of those militant radical animal rights activists and I got rid of all my animal tested products, my leather and everything. And about nine months into that, I came to this realization that I could not continue eating meat and be in integrity with my beliefs. So I decided to go to vegetarian. And at this point, I had just turned 13. And I had family members that were very concerned about that choice. They thought I would be anemic. There's no way you can get enough protein on a vegetarian diet. I was like, you know, there are a lot of people in India who are doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're wrong, but they're not going to take my word for it. So I went to the library and I started reading about the... Um, I went in looking for the nutrition, justifying the vegetarian diet from a nutritional adequacy standpoint. What I found was these conversations happening about heart disease and cancer and diabetes and how all of that is impacted by what we're putting on our plate and that the diseases of our life that we're seeing right now are actually due to what we're eating, not genetics or, or some, you know, unlucky draw, right? That we had a lot of power in how we lived and how we died. And again, being 13 years old, I was just like, holy smokes, people need to know about this. And, um, and so I went on my crusade, as it were, <laughs> of, uh, of preaching the, the benefits of, of diet. And at that point, it was a vegetarian diet because I thought that was the answer for everything. And it's not. Um, but that, that uh, awareness and that fascination of, of how much choice we actually have, how much say we have, how much we can influence the, the, the path of our own lives simply by what is at the end of our fork mm. was so powerful and has never gone away. Like I've just gone deeper and deeper and deeper into the research and, um, and it's a very exciting time to be in this field. Nutrition is only a hundred years old, really. Like, so it's a very new field um, and we're learning so much. So it's amazing. So what is it as a nutritionist? What, 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 what do you, what goes into that? What do you do? How do you support your clients and who are your clients? Who would come to you? 
most of my clients are, um, I guess, I guess we're officially middle-aged now, <laughs> which is something I'm still coming to terms with. <laughs> but um, most of my clients are uh, 35 and older, you know, 35 to 60, generally female. Um, and I think that's true for, for just in the field in general, like women are more likely to seek nutrition guidance um, than men are. Um, and to seek support for that process. But, but typically it's, it's someone who is there, they're at a stage of their life where they're starting to feel decline. They're tired. They are, you know, they wake up with aches and pains, digestion is off. Maybe they've gone to the doctor for an exam and they're, they've been diagnosed with prediabetes or their cholesterol is high or they're, they've just been put on blood pressure medication. Um, and there, you know, there's this general sense of I'm too, I'm not ready for this you know, I'm not ready to go down this path. I don't, I look at my parents and I don't want to, I'm not ready to be there yet. And I see this is the way that we go, right? You get started on one medication in five years, you're on, you know, five to six more, right? It's, it's this long, slow, steady decline. And I work with people who aren't ready to go down that path. And they are aware that they, the choices that they're making in terms of movement, in terms of um, what they're eating are having an impact, but they're, you know, they've got families, they've got careers that are very demanding. They're, they may be juggling taking care of elder parents as well as raising children. And the, even though they have a sense of what they need to be doing, making that actually happen is where the struggle is. Because mm-hmm. knowing you need to eat more, I mean, everybody knows they need to eat more vegetables, right? This is not a new message. Um, I think what people are not aware of is, is exactly how profound produce is and completely turning your life around and revitalizing, restoring health and, and reversing disease. Like that awareness, I don't think is, is really fully present. And people just are overwhelmed at the thought of actually making that happen because they envision it's going to take, you know, three hours of chopping vegetables to make dinner every night. And that's Absolutely not true. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I'm getting this like this picture of the slow boil, you know mm. that. Um, and I and I think that uh, I just when I think of my my own life and the habits that I get into nutrition and otherwise that I'd like to change, it's it's sort of like it just kind of was like a, it was just a slippery slope. And when I'm eating like crap, I don't. It it kind of goes on for weeks on end, and I don't really know. I don't really know what happens. So I I like that's kind of the image that I'm getting. It just seems like a a big behavior change. It just like it's hard to imagine that you know eating vegetables is really gonna you know do anything for you. It's so it's so simple that it, it is really easy to dismiss, right? And and you know vegetables are, you know they're not. They're not big money makers, so we don't have a lot of commercials encouraging us to eat our vegetables. And um, they're not, you know, they just sit there. <laughs> they're not very, they're not especially glamorous. Although, I'd be, I'd be hard pressed to challenge anybody to walk by a fresh produce stand and not like not have it catch your eye. <laughs> you know, when when it's when it's all laid out there and it's it's fresh and it's vibrant and the colors are just glowing, you know, and just like poof, they're. I'm a little biased, but (laughs) (laughs) you're a little biased. I I can't, I'm a little biased. Mm -hmm. I can't help but just stop and marvel at that abundance and that vibrancy. And that's, and when we consume that, like when we take that into our bodies, our cells respond with that same vitality and vibrancy. 
So we started this interview, obviously, like a, a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek, talking about the big picture, but I wanted to paint the, the global picture, the macro picture mm-hmm. of why health is so important. And I think that like, I've, I, you know, we, we, we talked before and in our emails back and forth about the, the top 10 causes of, of death in, in yeah. the United States. And, and at least nine out of 10 of them are, are, are cured by, by, um, uh, by lifestyle behavior. And anyways, I just want to, I, I just want to take a second at the start here to really sort of paint the picture of the why until before we get into this is what you need to do. Sure. Absolutely. So, so if you look at in the U S if you um, pull up the centers for disease control and you take a look at at that website, they list the top 10 causes of disease in the United States is number one is heart disease. Number two is cancer. Um, And then we have, you know, accidents, chronic uh, respiratory diseases, right? Like um, COPD, uh, chronic lung issues, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, flu and pneumonia, kidney disease, and suicide. And in looking in the literature, looking at the research, I can find evidence supporting that nine out of 10 of those causes of death can be alleviated or prevented, in some cases reversed, through vegetable consumption, through produce consumption fruits and vegetables. The only one I don't have evidence for is unintentional injuries due to accidents, right? <laughs> um, everything else, even suicide, even the flu can be prevented with produce. And that is completely missing from the conversation of healthcare. Yeah. And I think that in our conversation before we started recording and, um, and as I've, I've been able to download some of your PDFs and I'm on your email list now, this feels like an empowering discussion, right? That my health yeah. is in my hands. So what do we do? We eat more vegetables? What, like, <laughs> I, I, okay. What, I, yeah, what, what does that look like? <laughs> ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So, so the good news is, is that, you know, in countries, most, most countries, most governments say, you know, five a day, five a day, five a day, five a day. Yeah. And most of us do not get five a day. So that's, that's where you start. Like that's the first big goal is five a day. Um, in the United States, only, only 9.3% of adults consume two to three cups of vegetables a day. And, uh, I mean, in Canada, there's uh, like 28, almost 29% of Canadians, 12 and older consume sufficient, consume five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. So, you know, Canadians are rocking it. Um, the U S needs to get above that 10% level. Um, ideally like my, one of my big missions before I die is to see the U S on par with Canada on par with the UK. I'd love to see 25 to 30% of Americans consuming sufficient fruits and vegetables per day. Um, which if, if you, if you start with the dietary guidelines for, for our, our governments and they're, they're saying, you know, five servings a day, um, which is about 400 grams. Research is showing that ideally we actually need about 800 grams of produce a day, which is double that. It's 10, you know, 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day, which is legitimately daunting. Hmm. Um, and, and that what they're saying, so if, if, you take, if you take all of the research, all of the observational research that's been done on produce and you look at who, who lives the longest, who retains their health and their vitality, throughout their lifespan, um, it is those who are conserving, consuming that upper end, you know, 700, 800 grams of produce a day. Um, however, every serving counts. When it comes to heart disease, stroke, uh, cancer, 
all-cause mortality, death from any causes, the research shows every serving of vegetables reduces your risk of dying from anything huh. by about 5 to 10%, depending on you know who you talk to. For heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality, that goes up to the 800 grams a day. For cancer, it seems that... Um, the the benefit to produce consumption peaks out at about 600 grams. I think with cancer, there is a lot of uh, pollution that, uh, you know, environmental toxicants that are contributing to increased cancer risk. And until we address that, I really don't think that, like produce can only do so much. One of the benefits of produce, one of the reasons why produce helps prevent cancers is because it allows our cells to talk to one another in a way and send appropriate messages like, oh, this cell is not, this cell is, you know, is, is mutated, right? It's not, it is not a healthy cell. We need to, this cell needs to be killed off, right? Mm -hmm. We need to, this cell needs to end life. And, and when you don't have the, the right vitamins, the right phytochemicals, antioxidants to prevent cell injury in the first place, and then to facilitate cell to cell conversation, these messages get missed. Um, anti-inflammatory messages are not produced. And, you know, there's downstream effects that lead to all of the, dis- the chronic disease that we're seeing worldwide. That's all, you know, compelling information, but how do you actually make that work in real life, right? Like, that's the big hairy question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I, so when I'm working with people, I, I really encourage, the first thing that you have to do is actually start looking. Because produce is... Produce is everywhere. Sometimes it's really well hidden, but produce is everywhere. We really just need to start looking for it. And if you start looking for it, you'll find it. You'll know where to get it. So, so I, I take this approach with my, with my students and with my clients is, is become a vegetable hunter. You are, as a vegetable hunter, you are always on the prowl. You are always looking, you know, where is your prey hiding? Where does your prey tend to congregate? Um, Because when you're hungry, you want to know where you can find it. So when you go to a restaurant, look at the menu. Where's the produce on the menu? Sometimes it is just a salad. And so you get a salad as a starter. Or you ask the server to substitute the rice for steamed vegetables. Um, And for, you know, for those of you, I don't, particularly like steamed vegetables. They're very boring by themselves. So, you know, I want, you know, give me some vinegar, some balsamic vinegar or some hot sauce or, you know, salt and pepper. Give me something to flavor those puppies up. But where's my produce? I'm always going to find my produce at every meal. And Canada, the Canadian government's done a great job now with their current recommendations of, um, of making half of your plate produce, Right. I'd love to see it taken a step further where for every four servings of vegetables, which is going to be about two cups cooked, that you have your one fruit Hmm. so that the the ratio is about four to one. Okay. Okay. I I love Uh, this concept of a veggie hunter, be a veggie hunter. Like I'm, I'm just picturing us all owning that, owning that image of the veggie hunter. Veggie hunter, always on the prowl. The other thing too is like with, with hunting, you aren't born knowing how to hunt. And so to, to have this expectation that you should already know how to do this, that this should come naturally to you is, is setting yourself up for a lot of frustration. Mm. And especially in, I mean, our children aren't really learning how to cook. A lot of us never learned how to cook because our parents were busy. And I mean, you know, once, once TV dinners came on the scene and in the fifties and sixties, it changed everything. So, 
and you don't necessarily need to learn how to cook to consume six, seven, eight, ten servings of produce a day. You just need to be able to find someone who does know how to cook it. Right. Right. <laughs> whether that's whether that's your partner, and for some of my clients, it is. It's their partner who does the majority of the cooking. Others are traveling and they're dining out all the time, and so their their mission, their hunt becomes about finding the restaurants that are very produce forward, right? That feature a lot of produce on the meal, so that they can get the variety that they're looking for, and always know that there's going to be something there for them. Yeah. And so. When you're learning, and, and some people are intimidated by vegetables simply because they haven't had a lot of exposure. So you don't know what you like or don't like. And you have to have, like, you have to walk into this with this attitude of experimenting. And some vegetables you may not like, that's okay. Start with what you like and you know you like and you work from there. If you know that you like broccoli and you like bell peppers, then your job is to make sure that you get broccoli and bell peppers every day for a week. Hmm. And that's where you start. And then you can take it from there. The wonderful thing about produce is that once you, and this works with children as well, once they have developed a palate for one, their taste buds shift and their palate expands. So broccoli is a cruciferous vegetable. It has kind of a sulfurous sulfurish sort of bitter back note to it, particularly as it's aging. And, and once you, you know, if you, if you don't like broccoli, try broccolini, the, the cousin, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. broccoli, yeah. the long skinny stalks, yeah. it's a little milder. And so if you like broccolini, then, then you edge into broccoli. But once you get a cruciferous vegetable in, then your ability to expand to other cruciferous vegetables like cabbage, like kale, um, becomes, it becomes easier because your palate has already adapted to one member of that family. And cruciferous vegetables especially are very, very powerful cancer reducers. Um, they help prevent cardiovascular disease. They facilitate the liver in being able to detoxify the pollutants that we're getting from our air, from our water. And so they're very, very important to be including on a regular basis. Um, and there's, there are numerous, numerous amounts of cruciferous vegetables, which I would bore people if I just started listing them off. So I'm going to refrain from doing that. <laughs> so this you has start, been awesome. This is great. <laughs> so you start by, by being mindful, looking for your produce. And then and you start with what you know you already like and mindfully getting some of that every day, right? Um, and let, when it comes to learning how to empower, you know, take that into your own kitchen, start with what's easy. By all means, get frozen vegetables. Always have them on hand. Keep them in the freezer. Buy pre-cut. Buy pre-cut bags of lettuce. You know, make sure you rinse them and wash them um, before you consume them. But, but let someone else do the chopping for you if that's not your thing, if you don't have time. There is nothing wrong with that. It is far better to consume something frozen or something pre-cut and packaged than it is to not to go without. This feels almost too easy. And like in my mind, I keep thinking, why did Amy choose vegetables? What about eliminating carbs? Like what about the ketogenic diet? What about all the other diets that I keep that are literally polluting my inbox right now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. from the different, um, like I go to, you go to the books, you go to the bookstore and there's, there's an entire section related to different diets. Why aren't we talking about one of those? Why are we talking about vegetables? So here's the thing. One of all of these diets focus on what to get rid of, right? Oh, sugar's the problem. Oh, meat's the problem. And eh. <laughs> that's my general, my general response is, eh. <laughs> it's, it's, um, 
the devil is in the details and everything is nuanced. If you look at, if you look at populations that live the longest currently, the blue, what, what's known as the blue zones, these individuals are not vegan. They are not in chronic ketosis. They eat a well-rounded diet that is, you know, kind of like a Mediterranean diet with some variations depending on region. That includes a lot of produce. It does include animal protein, not to the degree that, um, not to the degree that is that that Americans get, or, or you know, no like big twelve porter twelve ounce porterhouse steaks or anything like that, right? But but they are consuming some animal protein. And so when, whenever a diet, a dietary theory is encouraging complete elimination of a major food group, that's when I raise my eyebrow. And it's, it's funny that I say this, right? Because I was the militant animal rights vegan who was like, meat is going to kill you. Get it off your plate. But, (laughs) you know, that was 25 years ago. (laughs) And, um, uh, that dietary theory worked for me for a time. And well, I, I don't even know if that's completely true knowing what I know now, but it, but it didn't work forever. And this sense that, oh, there's one way to eat and we all need to be eating this way is, is just outright false. There's way too much genetic variation. If you look at how human beings have evolved, we have Inuits who evolved in the Northern Arctic areas. There's no way that the diet that they evolved on is is, and that's best for them, that has allowed them to survive, it's, we know that's not the same as what, what a tribe in the Amazon rainforest consumed, right? It's right. radical. Like, we have the ability to consume a wide variety of stuff and survive, which is super cool. But now the question is, what do we need to thrive, right? Mm. And when you look at the populations that are thriving, not just surviving, they have high produce consumption. They have little to no processed packaged foods that they're consuming. They are consuming some animal protein, but it doesn't make up the bulk of their plate. They're moving, um, not, you know, they're not running marathons every weekend, but they are moving actively daily. They're walking, you know, low impact or low intensity activities of daily living, right? They are living in communities that are supportive they have a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. And these are things that are, you know, that big chunks of these common aspects of these communities are missing in, in the industrialized worlds. Certainly the more we, um, the more technologically advanced we become, it seems the less community oriented we are. And that's also a big part of our health that is not given adequate um, consideration. Um, however, my specialties in nutrition, so we talk about veggies. <laughs> well, well I, could, I, I would love to do a deep dive there with you and, uh, yeah. and hopefully, hopefully we can. I, that's really helpful. And I just, I, I guess why I wanted to bring that up is because this does feel confusing to people. And I think that, you mm-hmm. know, we, we, we talked a little bit before we, we, we got on to recording that it's easy to get confused by this by this topic of nutrition and overwhelmed and just go to what's most convenient for me I'll 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 drive back to the office from here and there's three drive-throughs en route it's going to be a busy afternoon I know that and it would be really easy just to you know scoop in and have a burger or what have you and so it's uh, your message really is is accessible and and makes so much sense I was hoping that you might be able to speak to some some success stories that you've had because, you know, we're, we're all busy, right? Like Mm -hmm. life is crazy. We're, 
you know, I know, I know you're a mom, work is busy, we've, family's raising kids, there's all sorts of things happening. This stuff feels like it should take a lot of time. So, yeah. Um, Love to hear and it, it doesn't. It doesn't it. have to. So I have um, one of the things that I do. I, I of course I work with people individually, one on one, and I also do group programs. Um, one of them is one of them happens every every March or April. It's the Glorious Greens program, and that is it's a free program. So if anyone wants to join, you know, in 2020, you are more than welcome to. Um, and it's you know the, it's essentially it was my my test project right like will people actually listen if I show them compelling research and tell them to eat a green leafy vegetable <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that people would actually be interested but it turns out they are which has me of course absolutely thrilled um, here in the United States the average American uh, consumes about two tablespoons of green leafy vegetables a day so that's a problem and so I started with greens and. And the, the, the goal is basically like find something green, put it on your plate, eat it every day for 30 days. I don't care how much. I don't care what it is. Your job, like your job is to be on the prowl, right? Yeah. Stage one, step one of becoming a vegetable hunter. And what people noticed within that 30 days is signs of inflammation would go down, right? Chronic injuries start to heal. People wake up, they feel more energy, more stable energy throughout the day. Their digestion improves, constipation disappears, bowels regulate, um, heartburn goes away, skin starts to change. Um, and I was like, this is awesome because I actually have no idea how many, how much, you know, how many greens these people are actually eating, but this is great. And what I did then is I, I was I asked myself the question, so what would happen if a group of people did 10 servings a day? <laughs> <laughs> One, is it possible? Two, uh, what, like what's going to happen? So I created, I created a program where that's, that's, that's our goal. And I lead people through a step-by-step -step process of one, determining how they're going to get their produce how is this going to work for you in your life? And so, you know, you assess your lifestyle, you assess your obstacles. We work together to overcome those obstacles. And then over the course of the month, each week, you elevate your produce consumption a little more, a little more, a little more, so that at the end of 30 days, you are getting um, 10 servings a day. Even though most of the participants did not achieve 10 servings a day, most achieved seven, you know, about about six to eight, six to nine, um, moods and I have them take a I have them take a questionnaire at the beginning of the 30 days and then again at week three so 21 days in and they do a, like a self-assessment on various aspects of their health everyone across the board increased mood uh, digestive symptoms decreased an average of 50 percent among participants joint muscle pain dropped an average of uh, 20 to 70 percent depending on the individual People with uh, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis had a little less, but still experienced reductions in pain. Uh, people talked about glowing skin, improved energy, uh, cravings for sugar and starch dropped an average of 65%. And this okay. is, again, within three weeks, right? So if you want to follow a healthy diet, but these cravings are like getting under your skin and sabotaging you. What if instead of focusing on, no, I can't have that chocolate. No, I can't have those French fries. You focus on consuming vegetables instead and the cravings just go away. Like how easy could that be? Hmm. Right. Um, people have come off of their blood pressure medication. 
within that month. Um, I had one participant I followed up with three months afterwards. Her prediabetes was reversed. I see this in private practice as well, a, a complete reversal of prediabetes. Um, and so these are some of the things that can happen with just focusing on produce, just focusing on increasing your vegetable consumption. Wow. What, it's, it's amazing. So in terms of the, uh, and, and you touched on this at the start of the interview, but just some like, and, and I, you have this in some of your materials, so we'll, we'll direct people to your site at the end of this, but just some of the quick tips on like, what are, to get 10 servings a day, what are some things that we can do? Like what, what are some, what are some ways that we can really, we can sharpen our, our, our skills as a veggie hunter? So, um, you know, as I said, if you, if you dine out, which most of us do, um, you know, look on the menu for your vegetables. Where are you going to get your vegetables at that meal? Where can you make a substitution um, to increase your produce consumption? Because even if it comes with a, a side veg, right, it might be like three scrawny stalks of asparagus and that's like, you know, maybe half a serving. So, so whatever, assume that they're going to underserve produce to you when you dine out and ask for double. Okay. Yes, I'd like the chicken yakisoba. Can you double the vegetables in that? Thanks. <laughs> okay. Give me a big bowl of thought, double the veg. Um, if you are, you know, if you do like to cook at home and that, you know, I encourage bulk prep. You know, I also encourage oh, also keeping, keeping frozen vegetables in at all times. What I do is I cook, a, I roast a sheet pan of vegetables once or twice a week. You can get about 10 to 14 servings. Um, on a sheet pan of veggies. And so that is one way that you can, you know, have some to, to eat throughout the week. Okay. You know, at least one meal, you've got your roasted veggies, right? I add, I add vegetables, chopped up vegetables to spaghetti sauce. I add it to my lasagna. Um, where can vegetables go with okay. what you're already cooking, right? You can add, you can squeeze in some butternut squash into the macaroni and cheese and the kids won't know the difference. Mm. It's the same color. It's very mild. <laughs> Making a smoothie in the morning, you know, you add your protein powder, add your berries, right? There's a serving of berries, which are really great for uh, brain health as well as preventing macular degeneration as we age. So add some berries in there and then add a cup of cauliflower, add a cup of zucchini, add a cup of spinach, well, two cups of spinach to get a serving of veggies um, and blend that in with your smoothie. There's a lot of vegetables you can add to a smoothie that will that are extremely mild, blend very easily, and you won't even know they're there. And this is a great way to get the children to consume vegetables, especially during that age when they are completely and utterly like horrified at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how are you? How, have you been been able to sneak them in in, in your kids? Yeah, life? my so my son he started he had a vegetable hating period, and I mean no. any the. He did. It, it was so, my ego was so <laughs> challenged by this. It was so disappointing. <laughs> but um, it was about from the age of two, which is, this is very common, um, from two to about three and a half. So it was a good 18 months. And that's, that's when I really honed my skill of sneaking it in. Mm -hmm. Like I sneak it in. And even then I was lucky to get, I was lucky if I got like half a cup to a cup into him you know, a day. It, it wasn't much, but I would, uh, puree vegetables and add them to meatloaf. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was a, that was a popular one. Um, we did add vegetables to some morning smoothies and we would have smoothies every morning. He'd have a smoothie with his daddy. Um, I would puree, like you pu put carrots into spaghetti sauce and just like blend it in. He did eat marinara sauce. That was like one of the only 
vegetable things he would eat, but he wouldn't eat broccoli. He wouldn't eat carrots. Like the kid would not eat anything unless I hit it. (laughs) So, um, that worked for him. There are some children who have, um, who have very strong, uh, receptors to the bitter taste and they'll detect that right away and they'll reject it. There are other children who have sensory, sensory issues where the, the, texture of vegetables is a problem for them. And so then that's something that you need to work around. Right. And it's, it's the same thing with the children as the adults find something that works and just do more of that. Okay. And, and, uh, in our, in our home too, we just kind of had, and this works with partners too. You can do the one bite rule. (laughs) We're just like, just try one bite. That's it. If you don't like it, no biggie, but you just try it. Yeah. Just try it. And our taste buds change. Our children's taste buds change over time. Adult taste buds change over time. And that's an important piece to bring to the conversation that just because it doesn't, you don't like it right now, or you don't like it this way, doesn't mean that you won't like it forever. Some people Mm -hmm. don't realize that they do like Brussels sprouts because they've been boiled to death, but they go to a nice restaurant and they experience, you know, deep fried Brussels sprouts. And they're like, this is amazing. (laughs) These are actually good. (laughs) I am. And if that's where you start, great. Right. Eat the fried Brussels sprout. I'm I'm totally pumped to see that happen rather than to just leave the vegetable off the table completely. Right. Right. Yeah. I know you've got, there's uh there's a lot of bad memories from, um, from like the school cafeteria that, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting a Brussels sprout that's six days old and been nuked <laughs> five times. Um, well that's, no, those are great. That's, those are great actionable, um, actionable ideas and thoughts. Um, this is, this is fantastic. So I, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, I'm, I'm looking at time and I know that, uh, we're going to, we, uh, uh, want to be mindful of your time that, uh, to wrap things up, but, um, are, are there some, uh, some books or resources that help pump people up? Uh, if people want to learn more, uh, that they should be, that they should be going to that you recommend? I, um, so at my, on my website, vibrancenutrition.com, and people can sign up for a, um, you know, to be on my newsletter and I'll send out, you know, tips on produce, information on produce. I'll, you know, analyze research and share what I learn about produce um, and health overall. And that's a great way to just kind of get little bits of little tidbits of information on a semi-regular basis to, again, help you be mindful and to inspire you to lead a, what I'm, what I'm calling a produce forward lifestyle. Um, I also really um, encourage people to look at um, vegetable-specific cookbooks, not necessarily a plant-based meatless cookbook, but a cookbook that focuses on vegetables. Mm -hmm. And that will allow you to see different ways that they can be prepared, different... um, different flavor combinations that go well together and that can help you expand your repertoire. You can also go to Pinterest, right? Like go to, go to a grocery store, choose a vegetable and bring home a head of cauliflower, go to Pinterest, figure out what to do with it. Um, and play, just play. The kitchen is a playground. It's, um, it doesn't have to be intimidating. It's our expectations of what we demand of ourselves and what we feel we should be able to accomplish that I think um, intimidates people and turns them off a bit, but allow it to be a playground. You know, if, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to go there. Uh, the other thing is, um, for those of you who are interested in increasing your produce consumption and kind of monitoring how you're doing, we created an app over the summer called Veg Hunter. Um, if you go to veghunter.com, 
you can uh, download that app either on you know, on your Android or your iOS device, and that's you know zero cost to you. And it is essentially it's a produce tracking app, so you can track by servings, you can track by color, and it allows you to get a sense over time how you're doing, what colors you might want to increase, um, because each color represents a certain um, set of phytochemicals, of antioxidants and, and phytonutrients that do different things in the body that there's like all good stuff, all good stuff. So you want, you want to eat that rainbow, right? Very cool. And again, that app is called? Veghunter.com. V-E-G hunter. Okay. Hunter.com. Sweet. Well, Amy, thanks so much for taking the time and being, being on today. I just, I encourage anyone to go to your site. Um, that's again, vibrancenutrition.com. Your, your Instagram page as well. I uh, noticed that you're really active there. That's Vibrance Nutrition, correct? Correct. That's at Vibrance Nutrition. Yeah. And I, I post a lot of pictures of like, you know, what does it look like? How many serving, like, here's what I had for lunch. I had lunch out. This is how I got three servings of vegetables at lunch. Um, so that also allows people to get a sense of what it looks like in day-to-day living. Yeah. And you just, you model it so well. You're, you're, you're a mom, you're, you're in the trenches, you're running a business, you're busy and, um, you're, uh, you're certainly an inspiration on there and, um, and your message is really accessible. So I, uh, I, I really appreciate you, um, sharing it with us today and all that you're doing and, uh, certainly look forward to, to checking back in, in the, in the, in the months and hopefully years ahead. Thanks a lot. Me too. Uh, Well, to be continued. All right. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Matt. Take care.